Cici. Die, oh, äh, Hasenpfeffer, Hasenpfeffer. Hasenpfeffer. Frau Hasenpfeffer. Frau Hasenpfeffer. Ja, ja, ja. Frau ja, we are going to on a tour of Yellowstone Park, then Buff. Oh, I, I did not know Buff was in Canada. In, in, in German, it is Yellowstein. Yellowstein Park. What is Yellowstein? Mustardstein. Mustardstein. Braunstein. What is the word for mustard? Light Braunstein. Sorry. Yeah, I'm taking, I must draw a card. Hmm, I have a draw off the top of the deck. That is not what I wanted! My train ride to Banff is kaputt. Welcome to Witch Game First, where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we're all made of stars, but did you know that stars are made of dice? Well, they are when we play Twinkle. Next up, globetrotting becomes a cutthroat race to see who can get to the most beautiful monuments first in Trekking the World. And lastly, so what if the mine's about to collapse? We're not letting all the other goblins get the last of the treasure inside without us as we go off the rails. I'm your host, <laughs> Celeste Angelis, here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hello. Ed Povolitis. What's up, baby? And Mike Grenier. Our first game up this week is Twinkle, designed by Theodore Carvonis, published by V Games. Number of players, 2 to 4, ages 8 and up, playtime, 15 to 30 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us what's in the Twinkly box. On the cover of Twinkle, we join a group of astronauts floating in space, constructing what seems to be some sort of space station out of the sturdy materials of giant white beams, and polyhedral dice of all shapes, sizes, and colors. Inside the vacuum, you'll discover 30 polyhedral dice in 5 sizes and 6 colors, 28 connectors, 1 two-sided board, 7 scoring cards, 20 mission cards, and 4 scoring markers. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we find out if Twinkle really sparkles, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Twinkle, the Boundless Universe comes to your table as you build your own constellation using colorful dice as stars. On a turn, a player will choose any three dice to roll. There are D4s, D6s, D8s, D10s, and D12s, each in six different colors. They will select one die of the three that they rolled to place in their section of the constellation. The two unused dice go back in the pool. Each color has a card which tells you how to score when you use dice of that color. Any die placed must have a lower number than the die it is played off of. To earn a twinkle bonus, place a die with more sides than the preceding die. A d8 played after a d6 scores the twinkle bonus. There are seven rounds and every player will play seven dice. All scoring takes place at the end of the game, and the player with the most victory points becomes the real twinkle in everyone's eye. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, we played this game on Tabletopia, and you can see it on our Twitch channel or, if it's too late, YouTube channel. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and the designer stopped by. Yeah. In the feed to help us with the rules, which was mighty useful. All the way from Greece. Yes. Thank you. Uh, his online name was Sotorakos, but we know him uh, as Theodore Carvunas. Thank you so much for stopping by. It was really great having you. Now, how did this game look? <laughs> really good. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's pretty neat seeing a, a, a constellation of dice connected by the white lines. And it's like, oh, I'm not sure what it is, but yay, dice. I think every constellation ends up looking a little bit like Cthulhu, though. Yeah, I mean, I like the way they stretched out. And I enjoyed that you could direct your uh, little sticks in any direction to make the constellation sort of have those weird angular lines that you see on all the star maps. I thought they did a good Mm -hmm. job of replicating that with this design. I like the center board. I liked it a lot with the stars and you could clearly see everybody had a different set of stars that they came, they started from. They were each colored. Liked that a lot. However... Yeah, I had one unfortunate thing on it. <laughs> the photograph on it, especially when you're playing digitally, so you don't can't tell the yeah. difference between two-dimensional and three-dimensional objects, uh, had dice printed on the board. And one time we tried to grab right. those dice because we thought that... I, I did too. I totally did that. It's like, hey, how come there's a 12-sider? We got to get the 12-sider off the center board. Oh, wait a minute. That's just printed on there. Yeah, we all did. <laughs> we all tried to grab it at one point. <laughs> I think for the simplicity of this whole set, it's well done. And it fits in a nice small box, which I like a lot. I was taken by the bold colors, which I very much which I very much like. Against the dark background, I felt the dice were easy to find, easy to read, and looked mm-hmm. very nice. It, it it appealed to me. And on a and a great side bonus. You would have all the dice you need to play D&D afterwards. <laughs> it's funny that these are a lot of people that play this game will not know that these are D&D dice, I guess. Do you think that's true? They will now. Yeah, I, I liked it for as a D&D player. I liked seeing the dice being used in a different way. You know, who when else do you use D12s, D10s, D8s, except when you're playing a role playing game? Yeah, the only one it didn't have was the D30. <laughs> no, the, no D20. Yeah, D20. The staple. That was a big one I was missing. Didn't need it. Didn't need it. No, you don't, you don't need it. At first, I thought, shouldn't all these dice be white? We're making stars. But then I thought, geez, there are colored objects in space, if you look carefully. Mm-hmm. And being that colors are a significant part of the scoring of the game, you know, oh, yeah. making them all one color would have been... Yeah, no, I would have been bored by one color. I mean, you could have had pips or numbers that were colored and have the dice themselves be white. That would look Mm -hmm. a little more like galaxies. I wonder if they tested that. Yeah, that'd be a little too subtle, I think. I think having them be bold is easier to keep track of because there's there's a lot of different ways to score in this game, man. Oh, my gosh. Infinite. I don't think you'd need any extra confusion point trying to keep track of what is that a red die or a blue die? Yes. Now, all of the ways to score are written out on charts on cards that lay out next to the board. So Mm -hmm. it is convenient to be able to just have those cards for reference on scoring charts. But there's a lot of charts to keep track of because you can score with groups of yellow, groups of green in different ways, groups of purple in different ways. The blacks are added together to get different things. So the all of the different assortments of scoring is a lot to be like, wait, what? Can I get? Yeah. What can I get if I put my green die here? 
I didn't mm-hmm. find the symbolic language very clear, actually, though, too. Like, it wasn't intuitive when I looked at the symbols on there, what they meant about how you actually scored those dice. I guess I'm used to it a bit more. When I saw it, I was able to translate it fairly effectively. But there there are a couple you need to read the rules in order to fully grasp it. It's more of a read the rules, and then it's a helpful reminder text. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a way, or icon. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. These uh, Some of the chart cards are shorthand because yeah. <clears throat> you, you need to know in exactly what grouping these greens give you six victory points. You know, exactly yeah. how mm-hmm. do you get Well, them. I think it was a, kind of a noble effort to try to make it almost like language independent once you're playing the game. So, yeah. you because know, I don't think there was any actual, too much writing on the actual board and, and uh, scoring cards. No, no, it's all symbology. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a language independent, uh, and just need to read the rule book and print that in different languages. Which is, you know, it's a it's a tough thing to do in a board game, and I think he made a pretty good effort at it. All right. So now we know there's lots of scoring ways to score, but what's the strategy here? Twinkle, that's the strategy. Twinkle, twinkle. <laughs> you better have more than one strategy. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Why is that? Because at you, as the instructions say, you have to choose three dice, then you roll them. And then you then you choose one to place. So that that is a ton of variables right there. Mm-hmm. Which dice are available? Which, you know, which three are you going to choose? Which which color point scheme are you go are you are you going for? Are you looking to block other players from achieving right. higher scoring? Because we're all sharing the same dice yep. and they're disappearing mm-hmm. fast. They're, they're pulled window fast. Like, hey, there's no more yellow. Oh well. I, right. So right. I went through my yellow plan, which was plan A. I moved on to the, to my black dice plan, which was plan B. I think I got to plan D by the time, but the game was mostly over by then. So that that's how that's how wild it kind of swung in in that sense. I think certain dice definitely work better at certain points in the game like everybody kind of waited on the purple dice until the end of the game because with the purple you lose points if you use it first you want to use it suck it and then and then new two other dice immediately afterward to get the full three points out of your purple yeah the more the more other dice you can prong off of purple the more points you get out of purple dice i benefited from having no plan <laughs> and i'll tell you why yeah. <laughs> this is this might be a game where no plan is the plan because <laughs> you save yourself a ton of frustration by not planning for dice that are going to disappear. So mm. instead, if you simply wait for your turn and look at the available scoring options at that point, I think you're in the best. I think you're in a good position to to maximize your scoring. You might be onto something, Celeste, because I had a plan, a very very definite plan, and uh, I did too. It, and not just because the dice were disappearing around me but also because you roll the dice and you're supposed to put uh, a lower number after a higher number and you know i was like okay i need a nine uh, a nine or lower on this die and i would roll a 10 or an 11 oh yeah so, you had some rough rolls <laughs> had there, some Mike. really Oof. bad rolls so i think next time my strategy is going to be something along the lines of pick a bunch of six or eight sided dice to roll first and then just try to twinkle off of those as much as i can like roll roll high on lower sized yeah. dice and then twinkle I kind of want to try the same thing. I want to talk, start with smaller dice, even like maybe pick a four-sider from the beginning, and this way you uh, have a great opportunity to twinkle off of it if you can roll a four on a D4. Yeah, that's the thing. You want that Yeah, but four. you've got plenty of time to roll it. Ed was twinkling all over the place, <laughs> and I wonder if, the, if there was a first-player advantage there. No twinkle. no twinkle for me. What about you, Celeste? Any twinkles in there? I think I got two twinkles. 
I see, I see, I see this twinkle, twinkle over here, and I see that twinkle over there. Four point twinkle. Twinkle, twinkle, twinkle. Way out in the lead with the black dice. Boo. Mm-hmm. And and now for the table flip bonus. Yeah. Oh, flip it. Flip it, Evan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything's messed up now. One of the best ways to get maximum points is if you can get the sweet spot in the black dice. There's yeah. a sweet spot mm-hmm. where if you can sort of mid-range black dice... Uh, you get five victory points, which is a lot in this game. So if you start early with that, grab a black die to begin with, you might end up putting other people off the black dice thinking, oh, I'm going to have to compete with Ed. He's already on to black. Uh, and then I might end up wasting all my time. Yeah, I was the second one to go. And I saw in the center, there was the eight die that was on seven black. And it's like, you know what? That worked good. Like seven is kind of like right in the middling. And, uh, you know, it'll be easy to twinkle off of an eight, seven. Yeah. That's actually a good point, Ed. I'm not sure if it's clear uh, to everybody that the D8s in the center are static, meaning every other die you roll, except those D8s, you roll them to get a number. But the D8s in the center, if you choose to to take one of those instead, you can simply take the number that's showing and put that into your constellation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's nice. So you sort of have a pool of dice that are already pre-rolled that you can make decisions with as well. Now, can you roll the 8s, though? Like, you can take yes. the 8s and two other dice and roll it, but whatever the 8 is, if you don't use it, you put it back into middle under that number. And, and leave it at that number, yeah. Exactly. And I, I didn't take advantage of the 8s at all. For some reason, I wasn't even looking over there because I wanted to just roll new stuff all the time but but taking those preset numbers was really big and ed totally capitalized on that yeah he honed in on it especially if it's an eight an eight <laughs> that might be the one big strategy tip or a one if or you a want one. a twinkle right yeah. or a one yeah there are mission cards in this game that add another layer of way to get points we didn't use them but they're bronze and silver mission cards that they're just way when you know the game you can say ha ha would have thrown a couple of new random twists in there to keep the game a little more replayable. I like that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That is very cool. If you if you fall in love with Twinkle, it will be really nice to have those additional ways to play it. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Twinkle. Ed? The game is neat, and I had fun playing it. I'm not sure if I would seek the game out for myself, but I am a bit curious what those mission cards will add. So if you have a family to play this game with, you may want to dig this one up. Mike? The amount of luck in this game really wasn't doing it for me. Like, I tried to form a plan. It didn't really work. And I think that will always happen to me in the future. <laughs> uh, this game did not shine for me, so I'd say I would bury it. Evan? Twinkle, for me, was easy to learn, easy to play, lots of dice rolling. That's a plus, And a bevy of choices and strategies. I think it's a good warm-up game for game night. Dig it up. I thoroughly enjoyed using D6s, D8s, D10s, and D12s. Yes, that's what they're (laughs) called in the role-playing world. Um, For something other than role-playing. This game is elegantly simple and enjoyable. Um, It has plenty of strategy and planning if you want to use it that way. Dig it up. If you have thoughts about Twinkle, we would love to hear from you. Come chat with us. Uh, We are on Facebook and Instagram. And you can see our gameplay on YouTube. 
Our next game up this week is Trekking the World by Charlie Bink, published by Underdog Games in 2020. Number of players 2 to 5, ages 10 and up, playtime 30 to 60 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. The cover of the box depicts a pair of backpackers who have discovered a land containing the Great Pyramids, the Sphinx, the Oracle of Delphi, the Kremlin, and the Eiffel Tower. How convenient. Might be metaphorical, Mike. Just a thought. Might be metaphorical. Oh, yeah. I I don't know. I thought it was just a new place they found. But whatever. (laughs) Maybe it's Las Vegas. Uh, (laughs) uh, When you explore inside this box, you'll find a map board, a bag, 48 destination cards, five trekkers, five suitcase mats, five player aid cards, a score pad, 12 journey cards, 75 trek cards, 48 souvenir cubes, 10 region bonus tokens, 4 most souvenirs tiles, and 30 VP tokens. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we see if this game is as Instagram worthy as the landmarks on its cover, Evan, tell us how it's played. Trekking the World is a card game in which players compete to be the ultimate globetrotter by racing to visit world-renowned locations and collect rare souvenirs along the way. Players' cards have two functions. Numbers, which indicate the number of spaces to move, and colors, which indicate the type of card needed to score victory points. There's also a deck of location cards. Four are turned upward, and these are the destinations the players are vying to reach. Players must land exactly on the space and have the correct color combinations to collect the location card and score the victory points. Another way to score points is to collect colored cubes. These are the souvenirs. They're located at points along the travel routes. These cubes are accumulated for additional bonus victory points. Bonus! Yeah, yeah. Bonus! The game ends when a player, Ed, suddenly collects five (laughs) location cards... (laughs) You add up your points, and the winner is the trekkiest trek in all of Trekdom. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, well, sorry. Did I well, Ed, he just said Ed ended the game. He didn't uh, talk about my magnificent victory. Oh, it's true. It's Ed's true. king-making. Right. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> well. Ed did suddenly hey, end the, end the game. That last move was worth at least 12 points for me. So, I, hey. <laughs> I hate jumping to the end of a game to start a conversation. Yeah, but yeah really. If we were just also focused on our, what our next move was. I know I was like, you know, Celeste was expressing it. Mike was like, oh, yeah. I got, and then Ed just, boop up, the, the game over. Gets, like The game shuts down. <laughs> like, wow. It was just so sudden. Uh, we're talking about <laughs> strategies for the next two turns each and like, you know how to work your you know how to work the cards we had and then all of a sudden we just look up and since it's online it's like bloop the game has ended yeah, exactly. what instead of the our normal complaint where it's like the game ends just when you get your engine uh-huh. rolling in this case it was the game ends just when we're figuring out how to play <laughs> oh and celeste you were about to score big yeah she was Sorry, painful, painful memories, painful yeah. memories. So we, so getting to the beginning of this, we yeah. played oh, yeah. the game on Board Game Arena. How did you think it looked on Board Game Arena? I thought it looked really well presented. Yeah, it reminds me of a risk board. I mean, I got, I got the risk feel out of it. I got the pandemic feel out of this. <laughs> I saw the cubes <laughs> and the globe. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's a standard map of the world. It does, uh, the actual look on Board Game Arena looks exactly like the board game in real life, except I think mm-hmm. I would have really enjoyed 
looking at the cards and holding them in my hand for the locations, the actual landmark locations. Um, they didn't really translate as well. Just because there was already a lot of color on the board, they got kind of lost sitting in the upper left corner. Yeah, well, I mean, things are just on the table. But what's nice about Board Game Arena, at least, at least this implementation, that you hover it over it and the card would pop out a bit so you can read it better. Yes, mm-hmm. it helps. definitely, it was definitely readable, definitely could see it. But in looking at the actual stuff that comes in the box, you can see pictures of it online um, on Board Game Geek and so forth. I think I would have really enjoyed seeing those cards up close in and holding them. Sure, because mm-hmm. the art on it's very nice on all the uh, landmarks. It is. So, guys, how about the symbology in this game? I mean, I thought it was fairly simple. You basically just have five different colors with a different symbol in each one. Yeah, the symbols didn't even actually matter that much, just because the colors and the symbols were the same. So the whole card kind of represented what it was supposed to be without even noticing the symbol on there. But the having the symbol made it um, colorblind friendly. True. I had difficulty with the symbology on the global power mechanic cards. Yeah, the, you're talking about the journey cards, right? Uh, the journey cards, sure. And they had just two little pictures of cards on top. And I had no idea what those were supposed to mean. I didn't know if they meant same color, same number, two random cards, any color. Didn't really even know how those two cards equaled the mm-hmm. yeah. the mechanic on the card itself yeah the symbol on there just had two pictures of a, like a card it didn't say like they had to match or anything on the actual journey card which kind of made the cost of them a little bit confusing yeah i think the one thing that would have added to the symbology there is they put an equal sign in between the two yes i i i picked it up pretty quickly that they were supposed to be two of the same card but i um i can see how it can be confused meaning just to any card because there, there's no black cards in in, yeah. in the deck. So it's like, you're going to see two card symbols that are black. You're like, right. well, is that too many cards? Well, the cards didn't need to necessarily be equal to each other. The numbers didn't matter. It just had to be two cards with the same symbol. That was mm-hmm. it. But it didn't, yeah, you're right. It didn't really describe that anywhere. Um, and plus, uh, I didn't understand that. And I think Celeste, basically the turn right after I did made the same mistake is I didn't understand that you didn't take those journey cards when you purchased them. You had to use them on the spot that you were going to do other things at. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a consequence that we just dove right into the game <laughs> mm-hmm. without reading the rules. Wow. And yeah. so we just kind of like relied on like game theory a little bit to get through that first turn. Right. Uh-huh. I mean, we read some of the rules. We, we right. tried to play along. <laughs> and I mean, again, it, it's not that complicated a game, but I do love games that have learn the rules as you go style turns and this game is not like that but i liked how the cards the movement cards were also the purchase cards i like when cards have more than one use in a game and it's nice that you can choose which two cards that you're going to draw from a market or pick a random one off the top so you can kind of plan ahead with or mix and match you can pull one from the scene the visible cards and one from just random luck off the top Mm -hmm. deck which is nice. maybe you're looking for something that isn't available. Right. Yeah. Right? True. Yeah. Happened to me a lot. Like, oh, I need that card because I can see it. But uh, I'm going to just take the second card as a rando. Yeah. Because at its core, the game is a set collection game. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have the right cards, you find yourself, I need something else. Okay. So you're traveling around the world trying to beat other people to landmarks. Now, I benefited a lot, I think, from being alone at the start <laughs> of the game on the North American continent. Basically, the North and South American continent. There was nobody there. 
So my traveling was easier. I think had we been a little bit more savvy about using airports, that might not have been the case. But I felt like I just never wanted four cubes. Yeah. And meanwhile, I had Ed following right behind me, ready to snatch up any opportunities I was going for. And I felt the same way about Mikey. It's like, I I wanted (laughs) to go there, but Mikey just blocked me when I was going to go take that landmark. Yeah, it was a slap down in Europe. It was Mm -hmm. was a knockdown drag out in Europe. The the fact that that your player markers can absolutely block paths along along your travel routes is really uh, debilitating (laughs) at times. It it can be. It's like there's another time. It's like okay, I got everything. Let me. I'm on the airport. I'm ready to go to Asia and and get the the terracotta army. And what Evans on the airport? What? (laughs) (laughs) I blocked the whole Asian continent. That's right, and the whole airport. You just sat there and stretched your legs out, and nobody else could fly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Look for six other six other perfectly good continents to go visit. (laughs) This one's taken. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, most of the paths only had like one fork off of them. Some of them had two forks off of it. So you could catch yourself because you must move every turn. You could catch yourself moving in the wrong direction on your turn because somebody blocked you. Now, I was worried that this game was going to go on too long. I was like, geez, there's not that many cubes left. And it's oh, oh the game's over. <laughs> it was. We went from like 40% completion to full completion in about a 10 minute swing <laughs> after we had been playing for an hour. <laughs> That's partly my fault because I, I switched gears. Agreed. So when I started realizing <laughs> that I, I couldn't get to the landmarks I needed to get to because everybody else was watching for the same landmark. Mm-hmm. And uh, you no, know, seemingly, you no, know, finding the perfect way to block me to get there. <laughs> so I just started going on the cube, cube grab to get my cube points. You no, know, because you get a bonus point for collecting sets of cubes or having the most cubes and. You got a bonus point for getting the last cube in the region. Mm-hmm. So I was snagging as many of those as I can, cleaning up the continent that people are interesting, leaving. Interesting, interesting. I didn't know they were about the region bonus. That's interesting. Yeah, and that's how the game ended. I picked the fifth uh, um, region clearing bonus point. Yep. Uh-huh. And there, the, uh, the cubes that you're collecting represent souvenirs that you're picking up from the different places and the different kinds. There's like clothing and jewelry it's then postcards etc and you you do get a bunch of bonus points for collecting those in even amounts as well i would have liked that to feel a little bit more like the objects they were trying to represent rather than all Mm -hmm. being square cubes i i Mm -hmm. feel like i would have liked something a little bit different there somehow the game tokaido which is also sort of a travel race game didn't feel like that there was the and I think it was because the, they used cards instead of cubes to represent the items. I think mm, that made yeah. a big difference. That probably less abstract in that way. Yes. Yeah, for me, it just felt like a very much a race game. Everybody's racing yes. to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I got to the great landmark, the Terracotta Army. Yeah, that looks nice. Yep, yep. Time to get going to the next one. Yeah, right. <laughs> a little bit like Chevy Chase. <laughs> Yeah, and it's weird <laughs> that I can only, I'm the only one who can see the Terracotta Army and then it's gone somehow. What do you mean? Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Well, I, I feel like I feel like it's an Instagram war of some kind. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, it's not a. Yeah. I, 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 that's what it reminded me of. It's just uh-huh. like they they're actually in some kind of social media competition. Actually, it makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 the theme I had to lay on top of this to make for it to make sense. <laughs> 
Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Trekking the World. Mike? Well, despite the mistakes that I made from my cursory glance at the rules, I really did enjoy this game. There's a good balance between luck and decision-making, and the peaceful theme was kind of refreshing. So I'll say dig it up. Ed? It's a fun game that has opportunity to have epic turns as well as there'll be just one card short of what you want to do, or even get blocked by the rude inconvenience of your friends. <laughs> I'll dig this up to see what my next trek brings me. Evan? I agree with Mike and Ed. Trekking the world is a fun game, and it's definitely worthy of another spin around the planet. Dig it up. Well, unlike the game Takaido, where the travel theme is fulfilling as you enjoy the cultural experiences of travel, Trekking the world made me feel jet-lagged and lonely from an unenriched (laughs) race. Bury it. Come talk to us about Trekking the world. We want to see your travel pictures. (laughs) Uh, We are on Facebook. Come chat with us there and see all our fun pics and videos on Instagram and YouTube. Hey, Evan, what do we do Thursday nights that everybody can do with us? Thursday nights, which game first is live every Thursday night at seven o'clock on the East Coast on our exclusive Twitch channel. We play a board game online for you, the audience, that we review on this very podcast. And wait, wait, we're playing the game for them? I thought we were playing the game for me. <laughs> I know. Well, <laughs> y- y- yeah, that's the illusion. And it's powerful. <laughs> it's a powerful <laughs> illusion. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're playing for our audience's benefit, but we tend to enjoy ourselves as well. And we try to make it enjoyable for the audience by... Running trivia. trivia. Yes. We interact with the audience while we play. It's usually themed on the game that we're playing. Like if it's a space game, we're doing spacey trivia. Or Evan will go a little outside the box when it's his turn to do trivia too. <laughs> well, Evan, go outside the box? Nah. <laughs> I thought it was a rhombus, not a box. <laughs> <laughs> outside the rhombus. <laughs> We love seeing everybody in the feed. It is so much fun to watch everybody joking around while we're playing. Uh, It's a really fun social experience, and we want you guys to come and join us. Come hang out with us Thursday nights at 7 o'clock on Twitch. If you went to Twitch and just typed in which game first, you'd find us no problem. And if you miss us live on Twitch, you can subscribe to the Twitch channel. And you can catch that game. It'll stay there for something like 15 days. You can watch it on Twitch at any time. And then if you miss it there. Oh, you can catch it on YouTube, of course. We have a a whole bunch of archived episodes. And the newest ones will also keep popping up every time we do them. So come check them out there and subscribe and, and ring the notification bell so you can see when the new ones come up. Yeah, yeah. And if you have any ideas of what games you want to see us playing on Twitch, we're on all sorts of social media. <laughs> and if you want to come give Celeste advice, she loves that. She loves it when the when I, people come actually in. actually totally take game advice. <laughs> she 100%. really does. <laughs> I, I, I do love it, actually. I love it when somebody else, like, suggests a turn for me. Because then it kind of becomes yeah. their turn and we're sort of a team. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And I like it when the designers stop by to uh, tell us how to actually play the game. Yes, yep. we are getting a lot more designers coming on and game publishers. So it's a lot of fun talking to them while we play the game. It's great for you guys to 
I mean, it's great for the audience. They can ask questions directly to the designers right in the feed. Um, so it's a lot of fun. And man, we laugh hard at some of the stuff people write in our feed. Come and hang with us. Oh, my God. And if you like, if you want more perks and content from our show, you can get our exclusive bonus points podcast. Bonus yeah. points. We're pointing at you. <laughs> it's a shorter, looser podcast about anything we darn well please. And <laughs> That's right. That's right. And we just sort of chat it up with each other. And it's for our patrons only. So you can get access by going to our website and clicking on Become a Supporter Today. It makes a huge difference when you guys support the show. Yeah, just for you, supporters. <laughs> wow. It's only $3 a month, and it really keeps the lights on here. It, uh, patrons are the lifeblood of this podcast. Uh, yes. We really appreciate it, and we hope that bonus points is a great treat for them. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, patrons. Thank you all. Thank guys. Our last game up this week is Off the Rails, designed by Andrew Platt and Stuart Platt, published by Rotten Games in 2018. Number of players 1 to 4, ages 12 and up, playtime 30 to 60 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us, what's in the box? The cover of Off the Rails shows goblins committing several OSHA violations as they build and operate a gem mine very much in the way you would expect from a group of goblins. As you delve deeper into the chaos, you'll find a game board, 33 deposit cards, 8 plastic minecarts with 6-sided speed dice in them, 20 chasm tokens, 4 jewel stockpile shields, 90 double-sided track tiles, 11 mission cards, and a bag with 66 acrylic jewels. Ooh. And that's what's in the box. Before we fire up our hard hat lights and delve into the dark, dank recesses of this review, Evan, tell us how it's played. Off the Rails is a tile placement and resource collection board game. Players control a team of gem-hungry goblins racing uncontrollable minecarts underground to retrieve the most jewels before the earth collapses into a deadly chasm below. Each player controls two minecarts. Players also lay down the track before them. Players have four action points per turn, which may be used to place a track, upgrade a track, or change the speed of their cart, each at the cost of one action point. But be careful not to move more spaces than there are rails, otherwise you go off the rails. Ah! <laughs> collect one gem as you pass them, but if you end your turn on a space with gems, you can collect two of them. Black gems must be taken first which offer the fewest opportunities for point scoring. The other colors of gems offer higher scores. Beware of collisions with other players' carts. These can cause you to lose <laughs> your gems you've collected. And beware of cave-ins. These will cut off your rail path and sometimes destroy your carts. Escape with as many gems as you can before the mines become too dangerous to work in. The goblin with the most points of gem value is the winner of Off the Rails. Yes. <laughs> Dangerous <laughs> job. Off the Rails. Yeah. Hazard. This is not OSHA approved. Yeah. <laughs> goblin OSHA. Goblin OSHA. It's, that's closed. <laughs> they do not have one. They're, those goblins are known as like the most reckless creatures in almost any fantasy setting. Uh, and, and calling them gem hungry is a little redundant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're fodder. Well, you guys played this game on Board Game Arena without me. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Oh, it's because this actually looks kind of fun. Um, 
Well, we love the BGA interface because it's so rules locking. We often play games on Tabletop Simulator, Tabletopia, non-rules locking most of the time. So how was that? How did it work out? I think it worked out relatively well, but we made a couple of choices. <laughs> One was we thought the idea of Putting the chasms on random was a cool one just from yeah. the initial setting. <laughs> I came to regret that. <laughs> Good old random. So yeah, there's a so there's chasms that at a certain point in the game that the place starts to collapse because obviously the goblins didn't think too much about support beams and such. They just wanted to get the gems and go. So the mm. the game begins the end game by having these chasm pieces hit the board, and in one version you can choose on your turn where the chasms go but in the version we played which for some reason i thought would be fun we let the chasms (laughs) come on the board randomly yeah (laughs) (laughs) utter chaos it seems so random when it kept uh you know knocking our carts out of the game oh man yeah (laughs) your carts if they if they get hit by the chasm card or fall off the rails they're gone gone you're done eliminated you have two carts if you're not careful you're just out of the game Leave me alone. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's not good. That's not good. Oh, we had the... Oh, no, no. Wait, what is that? That was the cave-in, right? Those are bad things showing up, I think. We're caving in already? Yeah, there are spots that are now occupied. Crush the track. And once those are... Now we can't build on those. We can't build... Well, it says chasm tokens remaining 16. I think once they're all gone, we're we're done. But yeah, now now the track has gotten a lot more complicated. Man. Holy crumb. <laughs> wow, Ed. You got cut off twice there. I did. I liked my oh, little, that was brutal. little loop that I made here. Yeah, I'm my loop it. actually works still. Interesting. Yeah, but I got a ram mic, so let me concentrate on this. Oh, now. No. I knew Mikey was in, uh, in a bad spot when he said, as long as this doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I literally did. I said, as, yes, long, did. as long as this chasm doesn't, doesn't fall directly on this spot when there's only one per turn at this point then i'll be fine i'm going to deliver this whole cartload of gems back to home and be all set and i have a nice setup to get some more no of course on that very turn that very (laughs) moment (laughs) the chasm comes crashing down and destroys my entire hall what were the odds it's like mikey (laughs) summoned the chasm right to him by saying it (laughs) mike once again you defy the odds i i really do (laughs) defy the odds not in a good way (laughs) I understand that when you were playing it, it was in beta, which we have played other beta games on BGA, <laughs> and beta just means it's still in development, technically, um, which means things can go wrong occasionally. Yeah. So what happened Yeah, there? I noticed this, because uh, one thing, um, the game's a little hard, because you can derail, and you lose a cart, and it was permanent when you lost a cart, much to um, Evan. most of our Evan's dismay. Surprise. And, um, <laughs> Evan's, definitely. It was perfect. Mike set himself right up, nice and perpendicular. <laughs> he has some gems in the cart. I'm going to go hit that goblin. All right, I'll just roll my empty cart right out at him and smash. Ah, I got him. Wait, what? My cart's gone? <laughs> yeah. What happened? <laughs> well, I guess my cart was too heavy and it just knocked yours off because I had gems and you were empty. That's my guess. Mm-hmm. Or or was it glitch? Yeah. I don't know. That's one of the conditions for derailment where you you have a collision and your cart's empty. You still knock gems out of the other cart, but you an empty cart that gets in a collision gets derailed. Which, when I read the rules, was not supposed to be that bad. You just be, you know, be able to start off with it again the next turn. Right. But not but in beta. Here, it seems like you lost the, 
the cart permanently. Yeah. So I think that's a bug. Yeah, it yeah. kind of treated it as if the cave had collapsed on my cart instead of just having come in contact with uh, as an empty cart with one of the other goblins' carts. So, yeah. yeah, a little snafu there. I thought it was so cute how the dice represent uh, your goblins and they sit in the real version, which I want. I want, if I was going to play this, I absolutely would want the real version. (laughs) It's so sort of cute and retro in the way the tiles lay on top of a board. That's like very, Mm -hmm. I don't know, early aughts, late nineties kind of game board style. And I like it a lot, but I love how the carts exist. They have wheels and you sit your little dice inside of the Mm -hmm. cart and roll it around. Yeah. It's how you know the speed that that cart is going to move. Yeah. It's cute looking to see the pictures of the real game. Yes. It's like it's Robo Rally ish in that way, you know. Yes, <laughs> Robo Rally. Exactly. Bit, yeah. That's right. I actually thought that feeling exactly. I felt like I was programming my traction cart and I was having a lot of fun with that. Like I trying to like it's like you're trying to spin spin plates and juggle at the same time, trying to get two carts going and not colliding or falling off the track or hitting other people <laughs> or all kinds of bad things to get out. It felt like juggling a couple times because when the ceiling was collapsing, it would collapse sometimes like right in front of the track that you were about to go on. So you had to quickly like reroute your track around it and spend all your actions going there. And you might not have enough time or actions left to slow your speed down because you don't roll that die. You don't get lucky and roll a one or a six. You actually adjust that with an action. So if yeah. you're already at six thinking you're going to zoom around the corner and then all of a sudden, you know, the collapse happens in the beginning of your turn, then you're like, oh, my God, I got to <laughs> get around that. And you only go in one direction. You can't, like, go backwards with your cart. You're you're going in one direction only. Yeah. The, the cart got one speed forward. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> get those gems. Get the gems. Give me the gems. Yeah, the gems. Oh, it felt so good to be greedy. It was like, yes, I'm going to try to get as many gems as I can. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Of I mean, everybody who's listened to the show before knows how greedy I am. So I was going for maximum greed, and then my cart just plunged off into the into the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> theme informs play on this one that's for sure i guess so yeah Yeah. i mean rotten games is an interesting choice for the name of your company uh you know (laughs) you could get that confused a little bit on google but i have to say i really do like their logo it's one of my favorite logos it's like this angry tomato with a mask on oh yeah with a burglar's mask yeah Yeah. i like it ninja tomato (laughs) that's a bold choice for a name of a company yeah Rotten game, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, they're not—they're being straightforward with you what you're getting when you get one of their games, though, which I appreciate. Uh, what do you mean? Is the game rotten? No, no. I mean, like <laughs> you're—you know—it's rotten in the way that you're knocking each other off the carts and stuff. Oh, know? like rotten spirited <laughs> games. Yeah, yes, I, mean, I like that. I like it. I love the cover of this game. I do. The cartoony feel of the whole thing is a lot of fun. Yeah, and- the art's good. And just the stones in the minecart, the whole board is basically those old-fashioned, like, stones. I just really liked it. It had a cool-looking feel to it. Yeah, played fine on Board Game Arena. But, yeah, I agree with Celeste. Having this game on the table, I think, would be better. Yeah. I agree. You get to touch the gems. You get to pick up actual gems. Yeah, you get to flip your die Mm -hmm. in there. You get to role-play your cart flying off the edge. Ah! And there's a bag. Ah! And there's a bag. That's always a plus for me. For Evan to play. bag <laughs> and, uh, um, you put the gems, I assume, on the top front of your cart, that little area there on the mm-hmm. front of your cart. So they seem so precarious. That's right. I love <laughs> Bump that. into them, boom, lose your gems. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury off the rails. Evan? Off the rails was easy to play, a humorous concept, and some neat components. But those cave-ins, oh, man, are they random, and they can screw up your game royally. (laughs) But I think there's enough here for more rounds of gem mining. Dig it up, literally. Mike? Well, if you're looking for a game where utter chaos destroys your plans, maybe you'll enjoy this one. (laughs) (laughs) What did you expect? expect? Your goblins in a mine. I know, it's true. (laughs) I mean, you know what, though? Even with all the harsh randomness and the player elimination and everything else, I I had a good time. I was going to say bury it, but, you know, I changed my mind. I'm going to dig this up. Nice. Uh, Last minute change. We haven't had that in a while. Love it. (laughs) Ed? I feel, Mike, on this, the chaos in this was dialed to 11 here. Not mine partly our fault. But I did enjoy trying to guide my cards through the track, greedily going after the gem while avoiding near certain doom. <laughs> I play this game again just to see if it has any legs, and for that reason, I'll dig it up. Isn't that the fate of all goblins, avoiding near certain doom? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they live hard. They live short and yeah, hard and they, fast. They, bur- right. they burn bright. <laughs> yeah, they One, burn bright. 1d4 hit points. 1d4 <laughs> hit points. <laughs> well, if you have thoughts about goblins in general, we would love to hear from you. Uh, you can see all our fun pics and our video of this playthrough on our YouTube channel. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you're doing. Come, send us a shout out on Instagram. We want to follow you if you're there. So if if you're a fan of the show and you are on Instagram, definitely reach out to us. Send us a DM. And uh, follow us on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel on Twitch. And if you would like more perks and content from us, you can get exclusive episodes of our patron-only podcast. Bonus, bonus, bonus. Points, bonus points, 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 baby. Bonus points. Just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. And if you get a chance, please leave us a like, a rating, a heart, a review, a shout-out, a mention, anywhere <laughs> online or in person. It really helps us grow, and that helps us bring you more episodes join our chat on our discord yes Yes, join our chat on our discord server troll free Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) the band hammer is strong (laughs) (laughs) not goblin free though (laughs) we are at which game first happy gaming explorers carts go smash that song got it all wrong it's not the little star the twinkle it's the big one in space no one can hear you roll